You're listening to the PDX Executive Podcast, a series of interviews with inspiring leaders from Portland and beyond. Suzanne, thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Dan. <laughs> this is great. It's going to be fun because you know we were talking your career leading up to here. So you're the Chief Development Officer at Northwest Outward Bound School. That's right. A chief development engagement, engagement. officer. And you've been here, it's not maybe a year, not even. Oh, right? not even. Just even a few months after a very long stint in the corporate world. Yeah. And then prior to that, the political fundraising world and yeah. development. And let's get into it. But you were yeah. telling me your career path is so interesting. And so you said your dad was a mercenary, you <laughs> grew up in Europe. So I always love just kind of, you know, Talk about that first, leading up to this. Can you tell, tell me? It's about such a, a it's such a strange and bizarre thing, and I have to say, wannabe mercenary, which is hilarious because <laughs> if he hears this, he'll probably be very upset. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had uh, an incredible, um, an adventurous, and exciting childhood. Um, my parents, my mom, uh, they came to uh, from Poland after the war into Germany. Uh, my mom went to the Sorbonne. She was studying languages. My father was in army intelligence, studying Russian code. They ran away in this romantic, you know, <laughs> this, 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 this wonderful, you know, tirade of passion to uh, North Africa where I was conceived and named. And then, of course, as, as all young people of that time, and this would be the early 60s, they ran out of money and, uh, and decided to come to U.S. My mom, uh, wanted me to be an American citizen. So I was born uh, in South Carolina, which is near uh, okay. a place near Charleston. Great. Um, and then after six months, of course, immediately transported back to Europe. Hmm. And that pattern basically was predominant throughout my life. I've spent half a year you know, in Europe, Italy, Germany, um, traveling with my parents and then, um, then back to us. Right. And then my father, he was a bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a wild seed, so to speak, and, <laughs> and didn't like to stay in one place. So we moved every year. Okay. We'd come back from Europe and we'd be living in Spokane, Washington. We'd be living in Seattle. It's something with S's. We'd move to, <laughs> you know, we moved to uh, Salt Lake City. We uh, just every year we come back, we were in a new place and, and a new school. And you, I mean, you said you kind of settled in Portland around high school, right? We settled in Portland after a long stint in Italy. We um, we stayed often at a, a place called Gabicimari on the Adriatic coast, which is one of my favorite places. Very fun, very family hotel kind of environment. And we came back and we'd moved to uh, Portland. I was 14 years old at the time, and um, my mother had had it at that point mm. and said, that's it. We have to stay somewhere for get these kids through school. Get some roots. It was, it was interesting. And then at the same time, I um, made a travel to the East Coast to visit family and was recruited by Surfer Magazine. <laughs> to do a number of swimsuit ads. Uh, so my, my first sojourn into marketing and advertising was through Surfer Magazine, um, Yeah, which was quite fantastic. Returned then from Florida to Portland, where I was then asked to work for Janssen. Yeah, and we were talking about that because I didn't realize they had their offices here. Right? Portland was such an amazing, it, not that it isn't now, but yeah. it's very different. 
we had Janssen, Nike was just starting up, Speedo was here, the White Stag brands, mm-hmm. the Jean Machine, all mm-hmm. of these, cl- Meyer and Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Meyer was doing tons of advertising at that time as well. So it was just a constant, you know, exciting churn of marketing and modeling and acting. And, and um, because we weren't in the digital world at that yeah. time, we were shooting with film, so you'd shoot for hours. You know, you just do these incredible things, these photography shoots. And we, of course, with Jansen, flew all over. And we went to Australia, yeah. and we would shoot in Hawaii every year, and it was it was extraordinary. But it was all here in Portland, and we would go to Jansen Beach and have the big sales convention at Jansen Beach, where we <laughs> all would do these amazing things and. Hundreds of salesmen would come around. The, the industry was so um, people-focused yeah. then. It was really about relationships and, and personal interaction. Yeah. Uh, not so much, you know, the, the communications were, were limited as opposed to today where we everything yeah. is online. Well, let's talk about that. And usually I like to talk to kind of Portland and, and towards the end of conversations. But you mentioned you were here during Nike was starting up. So... Talk about the atmosphere then. And then now, I mean, there's a lot of exciting business things happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into your mission of, you know, what your work here is. But since you kind of, you know, started your career during that time, that kind of boom, and now you're, you're, you're experiencing this, what's the differences? Do you, do you still feel like Portland is an exciting place to be for business or? I really do. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we had, we've had some ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period, I mean, I saw the transformation around, and if anybody's familiar with, you know, Portland, the history of it, of Northwest 23rd in the Pearl District. Um, and what was, you know, some pretty rough spots. Sure. I mean, there were some crazy wild bars on what now has Smith and Hawken or whatever it is, or, right. or, or um, you know, Pottery Barn up there in Northwest 23rd, where, you know, we had fistfights in the streets and, drunken craziness and it, it it was really it was a very exciting time yeah it's a little it very exciting time but it was it yeah. was very it's like what people perceive that you well, the east side isn't like that anymore right. either but you know what's what the east side used to be kind, kind of a rough and tumble yeah. uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. um there were some fantastic places you know roses where we used to get matzo ball soup and and mm-hmm. you know have these giant sandwiches mm-hmm. there were there were just places that we went and kind of connections quality pie where every college student went to drink coffee and study after midnight right down right. there on 23rd but the business environment was really different on the east side across on sandy you had jansen mm-hmm. and they took up the entire block mm-hmm. it was amazing at you know manufacturing all this kind of industry that was there. Uh, Nike was starting up and starting to do their things. And I have phenomenal catalogs that I have to show you with <laughs> Interesting. some some very awesome kind of mustached men in very short Nike, you know, shorts <laughs> with long tube socks. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's amazing to me to look at this now. Speedo was really getting going. Um, Chef Ilschgut, who was my mentor and photographer, who, basically kind of found me at the time. Um, he had a studio up here on Northwest 23rd, which then was Music Millennium yeah. and is now Fireside Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did the first, you know, the Got Milk commercials. You know, this whole mm-hmm. kind of, there was an energy of creativity, right. I think because of the grittiness. Yeah. And um, 
it was just fun. It was fun and, and exciting. Yeah. Well, I feel there is a resurgence of that. Obviously, it's different. Mm-hmm. Portland, right? Uh, but I, I think we're, we're going through a little bit of a resurgence with the, the tech and things. And well, let's transition a little bit about this new role. But uh, before this, it's like you were at Harsh, right? Yes. And prior to that, I mean, it's, it was an interesting and dynamic. So I went from this kind of fun in front of the camera to you know, the, the mass desire to be a photojournalist. Mm. I couldn't do this thing anymore. And, you know, this, I'm not going to model. I'm going to go, I must be a photojournalist. <laughs> I must change the world. So yeah. it was early on this was happening uh, where I felt like the need to to give back to the community. I was a terrible photojournalist. <laughs> I, I was about as objective as, you know, this water bottle. I mean, I, I was giving my money, my cameras, my food, my clothing away to every single person. I can't tell you how many dogs I rescued. <laughs> and so my photojournalism days were short and sweet. And they and mostly were in, at the time, the wall had come down. I was very excited. You know, I was in Budapest. Mm. I was in Prague. I was doing things that were really interesting. Had more than one time had some machine guns shoved in my back and Jeez. pretty aggressive uh, stuff happening mm. around that time because it was so new. Right. Um, so I left that. I went to work for Soloflex, who I had modeled for as their political assistant. And what that meant is I was able to vet every political client that they had, and they were wonderful about giving. They really, and they truly, truly focused me on how do you, how do you change the world mm-hmm. um, in a way that is, is very strategic. They had a great, you know, Marilyn Jerry Wilson were amazing. And so everybody from, I worked with Governor Roberts, um, Senator Hatfield was a, just a gem um, in working that time, pretty much everybody in anything, so many causes. Uh, and then about, you know, my mid-20s, they just said, Suzanne, we want you to shut down the nuclear power plant. So, well, how does one do that? <laughs> and this does tie into the tech. Um, they said, well, we're going to run a campaign. We're going to fund it. And so we built a campaign. Early on, I discovered that marketing and outreach was probably the most effective way to really build excitement, storytell, momentum mm-hmm. around what we were doing. So it wasn't just about shutting down the power plant because these bad things could happen. It was really about the impact of the fuel rods and what did it mean? You know, right. Anyway, we ended up losing, but I think we, uh, you know, the Wilsons were very happy with the amount of money they spent, the things happened. And it, the trajectory just went from there. I went to work for a couple of congressmen after that. And it just, and again, always focused though on outreach and digital. Right. And that was a turning point for you. It sounds like it was career. a yeah. huge turning point for me. I realized through technology and through branding and marketing you could do things in a way and really tie it into organic and into storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, guerrilla campaigns were something that a lot of people weren't really into. Mm-hmm. We did some things that were game changing. Um, really, you know, during the Cats and Blumenauer campaign, um, we were able to build a deficit campaign fundraiser that was so collaborative that we cleared both their deficits. That was unheard of in political mm-hmm. campaigns. Um, we were able to build a, a story and, an org- and, a, and a campaign around uh, the women, the first women who had been accosted by one of our local senators here. Uh, early on in the 60s and all the way up to there were 10 women, we put together an event and raised an, uh, money yeah. for a number of things. Just early on inspirational, right. uh, game-changing um, opportunities through branding and marketing and connectivity. 
so I started a digital agency on my own. I mm-hmm. um, went to Bend and did a few things in between that. But I I was trying to figure out how do we work with nonprofits? Mm-hmm. How do we work with nonprofits in a way where we can give provide a marketing service to them without cost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through sponsorships of for profits? Got it. And that was kind of the onset. That was my real career shift. Um, and then utilize e-blasts, yeah. social media. And, of course, I was one of the early you know, adopters of MailChimp mm-hmm. and Facebook as, yeah. a, as a marketing tool for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of blew up from there. Yeah. And then, you know, that's always like it's in your DNA because that is your career path. And, again, you kind of oversaw this foundation, your previous role in the marketing like, I'm excited to talk about your new role because this is something it's probably needed more than ever is this advocacy of getting outdoors, right? right. So uh, when I was growing up, I mean, I'm an 80s kid. Uh, it was just kind of part of part of who, how we grow up. But so tell me a little bit about uh, the school and Outward Bound. And well, it was it's, it's it was transformational. I I um, had been working in the corporate environment for a number of years. Um, and with with the the caveat that I also worked with both their foundations and the corporation that I worked for and my boss, they were phenomenal about giving back to community, mm-hmm. uh, a long history of it, and just doing incredible good. And it was just it was such a just the best experience, um, and it allowed me to do a lot of the things that led me here. Um, I became involved in an organization um, and then on the board of an organization called Word Is Bond which dealt with young black men, black men and their communication with the police and, and the perspective uh, of, of how young black men are perceived by law enforcement. I watched uh, this, this organization grow from kind of just an idea to uh, something that was truly making an impact with the advocacy and support of the Northwest Outward Bound School mm-hmm. And then the drive and passion of this executive director, like Yana Drury, who yeah. just is extraordinary. And when I was watching how the school actually and this this leadership uh, training and, and trust building and how that, that was moving and changing lives, um, I it really resonated with me that I, I needed to do something different. I was a stage in my career where I – you know, I kind of was doing everything and sure. built all the social media for a $3 billion real estate company yeah. and 24 million square foot real estate. And I was traveling all over, you know, doing all these wonderful things. But I wanted to do something that really would change lives at the, where I could see it. Yeah. I could be right there. I'm passionate about the outdoors. I love being outside. Mm-hmm. I hike. I have this crazy wild husky dog that <laughs> goes everywhere with me. Um and, you know, my, my kids are, they're out there, they ski, they hike, they climb, they do all these things. And I was able to see through the Outward Bound training, both on the urban program with Word is Bond, and then again, as they were working with kids outside, how powerful this organization is right. and what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, their executive director, who is you know, my phenomenal partner in this endeavor, uh, Mitsu Iwasaki, asked me to join him in this partnership relationship. Uh, he's the CEO. I'm mm-hmm. the chief development engagement officer. And really kind of he built the organization pretty much like a startup, even though Outward Bound has been around sure. for a very long time. 
north out, and I'm not going to get into the history of it because it's long, and, <laughs> but the northwest that were bound, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, which is what we embody, okay. so um, is only five years old. I didn't know that. And one thing I do want to get back to, and we'll get back on this topic, you said you were at a point in your career, large real estate <laughs> company. I think that's important because I'm talking to a lot of folks like they kind of get that inflection point in their career. And, you know, you'd made the jump. And so just drilling down on that a little bit, was was that hard for you? Because you were kind of reached a certain point. You were a vice president, large corporation. Yeah. That's a question that's asked a lot. Yeah. People, um, like a, a lot of my good friends, um, especially women, um, say, you know, Suzanne, you're right now, you're right in just the heart of your career. Yeah. Why don't you want to, you know, why are you, you know, why are you making a lateral move, so to speak, or even going to a nonprofit, you know, which is, is that what you want to do? And, mm-hmm. um, and I don't mean for it to sound like a negative. It's just something that, you know, as a woman who's been working in the city for a long time and who's done many things, you know, why don't you want to open your own company or do mm-hmm. your own branding agency mm-hmm. or do this? Well, I've done that. First of all, and secondly, this is really important to me at this point. I feel like I can bring the skill set necessary to move an organization in a way that's positive, mm-hmm. be inspirational to others that are coming into the field. I've always been focused on how do you support young women and girls in technology as well as in, um, in business as a whole. In business as a whole, yes. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I just kind of died on it. Um, because when I was young, I didn't have any mentors. Sure. That you know, it wasn't. It was a different time. So with the Me Too movement coming on, with all the excitement around, you know, true equality and equity, um, diversity, inclusion, the things that really are important to me. I saw this organization doing those things. Mm-hmm. And I'd been helping out other organizations, pro bono, you know, a lot of nonprofits I work with. Um, and I work with some phenomenal folks at Habitat, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, multiple museums across the country, you know, just all mm-hmm. these boards, all these. But I saw something in the way that, again, that interaction with these kids and the cops and that trust building and that honest relationship about implicit bias and that the school was involved in this mm-hmm. leadership training. So when Mitsu had asked me to come on board, it was a really hard decision because I really cared a lot about the company and um, and the work that I'd done there and my staff. But on the other hand, it was, it was truly something that I thought, you know, this is... It gives me goosebumps, right? Kind of a thing. Well, I can feel it. You're talking about it. I'm passionate. Yeah. And which also we talked, and then it also allowed me to work with the tribes, which is very important. The Confederate uh, tribes yeah. of the Warm Springs, which is another aspect of this. Well, what are some of the programs for or down? Yes, here let me talk about that. It's um, we are well, we're doing so many things. So North Bound, Northwest Outward Bound School has their the thing that you think about with Northwest Outward Bound School, which are these phenomenal courses in the outdoors, uh-huh. which teach leadership, and that can be from two weeks to 28 days. Um, we have a base camp in Mazama in okay. Washington, which is the Alps of, you yeah. know, North America. Um, we have a base camp, which I just returned from, in Odin Falls in Bend. And um, the, 
the Bend Odin Falls connection was very important to me because I had lived in Bend. I'd worked there. I started my agency there. Mm-hmm. Both my kids graduated from Summit High. Okay. Even though they went to Ainsworth here in Portland, they graduated from mm-hmm. Summit there. And they're both athletes and outdoor kids. Um, the Warm Springs Reservation is abuts, basically, our our um, base camp. Okay. And we've been putting in that river for a number of years with students and going down the river as part of our, you know, and Smith Rock is right mm-hmm. there, as part of our training. But there was no connection with tribes, mm-hmm. with the tribes, the Confederate tribes of the Warm Springs. And I sit on the Board of Regents for the Warm Springs Museum. Okay. And I couldn't figure out why that wasn't happening. Why couldn't we apply the same kind of, again, goosebump evoking, yeah. you know, programming that we were doing with young black men and, and law enforcement? Why couldn't we do something like that with the Warm Springs tribe? Um, we have an incredible opportunity. And through, again, kind of the, the programming masterpiece of our executive director, Mitsu, and, and the amazing, you know, openness to the programming um, with Ann Morrison, who's who's um, in Warm Springs or in in Odin Falls, and then of course the phenomenal opportunity that the Confederate tribes of the Warm Springs provided us, and saying yes, we would like to look at these programs. Mm-hmm. We think there's opportunity here, not only to provide scholarships um, for our grieving teens and some of the other things that we do. Mm-hmm but also to potentially build an instructor track, hmm. a pathway for young members of the Confederated Tribes to then become instructors and then move forward to really bring back that education, that training, um, those leadership tools yeah. to the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and you know, how is the not going transition, how's the nonprofit world like uh, is quite a, it's quite a community. I'm trying to get that. It's quite a community here because there's a lot of great ones here. So, have you found a new, you know, going from like the you know your community of executives and you know corporate world to this community of uh, leaders in the nonprofit world? This has been pretty welcoming. Has it? How has it been? Yes. For your, your growth. Yes, it's funny. Yeah, I don't have to wear a suit every day, but um, <laughs> but. Um, I believe that Portland and the Northwest are some of the most welcoming and collaborative Mm -hmm. people and organizations on the planet. And I've been around the planet, so I know this. Um, I work and partner with other nonprofits in doing what we're doing. Um, We talk about even from, you know, what staff we need and, hey, who you got, you know, I I just made a hire from another organization. where they were doing a downsize. I mean, it's that kind of wonderful collaborative spirit that really makes Portland special and makes the nonprofit community here excellent. Yeah. And I love, and I think that's a great, it's such a common theme in all my conversations. We just have this ethos here Mm -hmm. and I just love it as we're growing. I think that's just core to who we are and it's going to be exciting to see as we kind of get new companies here and nonprofits that I think that will remain. Well, tying into what we do on the technology side, you know, I go, I do a lot of speaking at, you know, these conferences and around technology for nonprofits and actually it was technology for real estate and technology for nonprofits and technology for lawyers and (laughs) all kinds of other things. But, but for the nonprofits is one thing I I did want to bring up is, is the nonprofit world is changing dramatically. 
mm-hmm. and it's becoming about you know it's a, it's a crowd sourcing kind of communication um social media is essential video is a must have mm-hmm. you know the measurement and data just like everything else yeah. in the world is the basis of what we need in order to build strategy about how we move forward the the nonprofit world and fundraising storytelling and everything the tools have changed mm-hmm. the relationship is you know are still critical to this and the authenticity is essential you you cannot build you know these stories are true mm-hmm. these things are happening to people um and we do need to tell these stories at whatever level that it is but the uh, the ability for technology and for marketing and branding and the, and the digital um relationships that we can build to really get the word out about the need and about the wonderful things that are happening yeah that's a whole different ball game and i think it's so essential to really think about that as we're as we're moving forward in our marketing and branding world yeah. i mean and it ties into business mm-hmm. you know we're talking about an roi right well employee attention or, or attraction and retention are you know how do you do that what do millennials want to see and the data shows us is they want to work for companies that do good mm-hmm. they don't want to work for companies that aren't you know that are destroying the world you want to work for companies that are changing the world for the better so how do you really involve our for-profit companies with nonprofits in a way to really again at a very authentic and real way to really to build kind of that community within the company mm-hmm. that feels good yeah because you're supporting something outside of that company that that needs to be that needs some help yeah and you, you have the great experience to do it so well as we wrap up where can people find you is it northwest outward bound outward bound school outward yes northwest outward bound uh, dot org but it, yes i'd really like to say i hope for those that you know again the big takeaway is make a jump if you feel like you need to because <laughs> you know don't want to go to the old cliche of life is short but it does fly by yeah. um find your passion and again remember that giving back of course is is just the most phenomenal mm-hmm. and euphoric feeling that you can possibly have so i hope everybody jumps in there yeah also thanks so much for being on the podcast thank you bye bye